Hey, this is Ricer from Deadbroke Barbecue, Wisconsin, and I'm on the Shields Outdoors podcast. So let's amplify some backyard barbecue fun. Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast. My name is Mike Anderson, and today we're going to be talking about grilling. We'll be joined by Jeff Rice of Dead Broke Barbecue who is all about grilling information and inspiration. He's a Wisconsin-based YouTube channel with the motto, Amplify Your Backyard Barbecue Fun. And that's exactly what we're going to try to do in this segment. Jeff, thank you for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your goals with Dead Broke Barbecue? Well, thanks for having me on, Mike, but I am a big backyard barbecue enthusiast. So Dead Broke Barbecue is just my concept of me having fun in the backyard grilling with family and friends. And eventually I just started pressing record. I, I think Dead Broke Barbecue is really how I started. Now, some people will come in and comment on my videos that you don't look dead broke anymore. Well, as time goes on. I'm still dead broke because the more I do barbecue, the more I want equipment and the fun things that you can do in the backyard. And it's going to cost a little bit of money when you have an addiction to backyard grilling and barbecue like I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's just there's so many rabbit holes you can go down as far as equipment and styles and things like that. And, you know, for the people that are that are watching this on YouTube and see your kind of little studio in the back. I mean, I'm sure that's not cheap, but it looks looks pretty sweet there. You got a nice little setup going on. Well, thanks, Mike. You know, I mean, obviously I have four monitors right in front of me and one over here. So, yes, I have quite the the whole system on making videos. It's another part of my addiction to the YouTube barbecue thing is tech equipment to, you know, film and record in post post content, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your uh, your passions really fit into that wheelhouse of content creation. It's like you love barbecue, you love grilling, you love video stuff. It's like, well, might as well mix the two together and make a make a sort of perfect storm. And uh, I watched your latest video on uh, on the barbecue grill comparisons and you did kind of a Mortal Kombat theme. <laughs> I'd have to say that was one of the more entertaining comparison videos I've seen in a while. How did you come up with that idea? Well, you know, when I first started my whole path down the creator content social media deal, I didn't want to be just like everybody else when making videos. Yes, obviously, you have to cook ribs and you have to have a nice rack of ribs at the end, the best that you can do. But I had to involve my real true personality and I'm was raised in the 80s. So everything was kind of the beginning of video games and funny stuff. TV was, in my opinion, way better back then. So part of my whole comedic adding to the videos that I do has to be part of the video, or if not, I'm not genuinely being myself, let's say. If that makes, mm -hmm. you know, 
complete sense. The um, the Mortal Kombat thing kind of came from you, you see all the comparison videos on YouTube or Instagram or something like that. These shorts and all those different little concepts. Well, everybody is really serious in it, which is good. I mean, you want to know for a buyer or the purchaser wants to know what they're looking at. But nobody ever really try to make people laugh when they're doing it. Well, to have a comparison, it's a battle, right? It's two very solid brands that I used. It has to be a battle. Well, what would I when I grew up and started like, you know, kind of being on my own, what would you have had? To compare it well mortar combat you know video game style so it, it was it's a it's been a video in the works for oh a couple months but you know when i started thinking about how am i going to do this because they're you know static animate objects how are they going to get them to actually be involved well they got chimneys so we got to make them blow each other up a little bit and throw some damage so that's what the whole concept that you know, my mind works backwards sometimes, but, um, it, it, you know, I'd like to tease myself that it's, it, that I can have fun with my own personality. I can, I can laugh. So again, long drawn out question here or answer to your question, but my videos have to have a purpose to entertain and also give you some knowledge by the time I'm done. That's where I am always pushing and striding to be better as a content creator to tell a story in an entertaining way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a million comparison videos out there and to do it in a in an entertaining fashion is just going to get people more more interested in it. And you definitely hit my nostalgic buttons with that Mortal <laughs> Kombat. Like I, I remember when I was in like you know, elementary, middle school, one of the first video games I got was Mortal Kombat. And, and, and I have to say Sub-Zero is like one of my favorite characters too. So when you're throwing that like ice balls and stuff, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yep. I'm digging yeah, this yeah. one. It's good. Yeah. So well, kudos yeah. on that one, man. Thank you, bud. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, so in your comparison, you, you're talking about Pelagrills and, and Pelagrills have really kind of Re not revolutionized, but really made mainstream, you know, getting out, getting into the backyard and, you know, having fun grilling for your family. So can you just talk a little bit about like the evolution of the pellet grill and, and what it's done for outdoor cooking? Well, you know, I really feel that the pellet grill is the new gas grill of the, you know, the eighties and the seventies era um, this has pushed people into a different type of cooking, though. You know, the gas grill came out because nobody wanted to stand around and, and start charcoal. I still start charcoal all the time. But the gas grill kind of made people get more to, you know, the backyard barbecue wasn't as hard. Then the pellet grill comes along, and now people can make actually barbecue. They can smoke some ribs. They can do some pulled pork it's just a lot more convenient for the average person. Not everybody is taught how to cook on a rotisserie smoker in 1979. You know, they're not really taught that. So the, 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 pit, the, the pellet grills have now made it so my friend that could barely boil water in college can actually cook you know, some really good barbecued chicken, 
and some really good uh, pulled pork or he hasn't tried a brisket yet but i'm really proud of him that he can actually do he can cook now and i think it's because of the simple ease there's no fire management in a pellet grill really i mean yes you have to you know know your cooker and know the temps that it's running in different hot zones and different things but my boys are well 14 and 15 now and they can cook on a pellet grill i would never let them cook on a charcoal grill not yet mm-hmm. but they can easily get on a pellet grill and cook so i think this has opened a new window of opportunity for people that you know they they want to try this but they're afraid they don't have to be afraid they plug it in fill it up with some pellets and start cooking really that's yeah. what it boils down to yeah there's there's really no need to be afraid anymore it's like if you, if you can understand how to run a regular oven this is basically just a glorified oven that you, that you put outside you know and like we right. i'd grill with my parents a bunch you know like back in the day and and um you know like my mom would do a decent amount of the grilling and i just i just winced every time she'd want to make pork chops on the grill because it was just like straight hockey pucks you know i love you mom but you you burn it every time like this is this is brutal (laughs) but not done enough that's that was a part of the whole gas grill earlier days it was never done enough in in people's opinion because they were afraid of actually temperatures too you know Mm -hmm. on the food yeah and then you know like the evolution of the of the probes and all the and all that stuff the the wi-fi it's just it makes it so much easier to get to cook to the proper temperature so it's safe and so it's not overcooked right right Mm -hmm. and now they're having better than restaurant food at home because i will say it's better than restaurant food at home once Mm -hmm. you learn how to cook and do some of the basics on barbecue or grilling on a pellet grill you can make it better mm-hmm, than for sure there. because you know you can you can really make it your own you know like right. on your restaurants you know like they're they're trying to replicate that exact same thing every time granted they've they've got a successful formula and it's good but but it doesn't right. open up to like your creativity or your specific flavor palette or things like mm-hmm. that and that kind of brings me into into another question like the the barbecue you know, ingredient companies, like how is, how has that evolution changed in, in your opinion? Well, it certainly has increased for the availability for people to get different types of rubs. That's one of my biggest thing that in seasonings, uh, more people are doing it. You know, there's a lot of guys that have won competitions in started their own rub company along with their competitions, you know, um obviously there's people that will say and i'm friends with dan arnold he'll say that it's not the trick to sell the first shaker it's the trick to sell the second one that's really what when you talk about the evolution i really think the internet has made it and you know obviously the internet in a whole has made it more available for everybody but you're also learning about rubs from people like myself you know i might show a suckle busters rub or a meat church rub or a ps seasoning rub or different things like that uh, to show to the masses and then now they go to a link and they can purchase that rub if they want to so i think the biggest thing 
is communication on the social media platforms where people can post their different types of rubs and you got to have people to try it. If that makes any sense, you know, I'm kind of trying to get that quite, you know, nailed. Um, but I will say that the most, I've never seen more rubs in my life. And the availability, not only on the internet, but even at like some of the big box stores, you know, you have your pit boss brands of rubs that are made by certain companies. Um, you know, the big names still ha are out there with the Weber rubs and different things. But the, 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 the individual cook guys that started making their own seasonings, they're plastered all over the Instagrams and the Facebook pages, which is made them a powerhouse to be able to advertise. And along with companies like yourselves, you guys aren't just carrying salt and pepper in your store, in your, in your stores, you're carrying multiple rubs, which has introduced it to people that might not have ever actually thought about buying rubs at a sporting goods store, but it's such a big demand that you guys are also carrying that too. So I, I just think it's the, the evolution of internet and how people are looking at the internet to learn and discover new things compared to just, you know, talking to people on the internet or something, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, yeah, that, that's my sure. best just guess. The, you, know, you know, the ability to link things is huge mm -hmm. and, and, you know, right. shoot videos, make it your own. And, you know, it, it can be a little bit overwhelming though. It's just uh, how, you know, having a niche and just being able to show it so much. And, you know, mm -hmm. like you walk to one of the shield stores and you go to the barbecue aisle and it's just like multiple walls of different rubs and seasonings and spices, you know, it, it can right. get a little bit overwhelming. So do you have yeah. any suggestions on like a starting point? Yeah, I mean, start when you first start out with a flavor profile, you already know if you're kind of cooking already. If you're already kind of cooking out in the house, you know that you like a lot of black pepper, but you don't like salt. So that's some of the constant, you know, you can look at it, try to figure out from the label if there's a lot of sodium in it or what. But the basics is always going to be salt, pepper, and garlic. I mean, really, you only need those three to make a really good meal of barbecue. If you like a little sweet, well, then you're starting to look at different, you know, the best bet to try a rub or to find out about a rub is to check on the website, the, web, the, the, the rub producers and the rub manufacturers they at least label if it's a spicier rub or if it's a sweeter rub. They kind of give you a little backdrop on it. Now, before you go, and I just talked with a good friend of mine about this, and before you go and put that rub on your $70 brisket, you might want to try it first. Don't just believe an influencer <laughs> that it's good. Try it, you know, you, because it might be really way too salty or way too black, way too much black pepper that it, it, it might not fit your profile mm -hmm. give it the little uh, finger lick test yeah, you know put a little yeah. bit on that on that index finger test it out have you have you noticed that um you know it, it really fits that flavor profile you know like when you test it or is it like super strong and ends up actually being pretty good once it's actually on the meat 
Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, black pepper is a prime example for my flavor profile that I want black pepper. And when I start with a rub, I'll look at it, try it. I'm like, eh, I can taste the black pepper. Good. It's going to be good. And then I cook it. Well, those flavors kind of distribute throughout the meat. And you maybe lose that punch of black powders or black powder, black pepper. <laughs> so then you're going to want to go in and maybe add a couple, you know, shakers or shakes of, you know, some coarse ground black pepper to that to, to get your actual perfect profile that you want. But yes, 100%, you will see that the flavors just blend better than trying on your finger. But if, if you try a real, if, you're, if you don't like a real hot, spicy rub and you buy it and when you taste it, all you can taste is, you know, a bunch of cayenne pepper in it, you better back off when you're going to shake it and coat up that, that chunk of protein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So... Uh, question for you. How many different types of spices are you willing to use like on the same piece of meat? Do you usually like to just stick with one or will you mix like three, four, five? I, I have no problems adding more layers of flavor as long as I'm not overdoing it. Because there is a point where you're, all you do is taste the rub. You still have to enjoy that protein. You know, whatever it is, if it's a brisket, I can go pretty standard with just a good, you know, SPG rub. If it's um, maybe I'm not in the mood, I want a little bit more um, spicier. Well, then we'll, we'll we'll add a different different rub that you know. I mean, I don't. Hoochie Mama comes to my brain right now. You know, I'll add a little bit of that on top for another little bit of a layer of flavor. I, there's never, I don't think, um, the wrong actual. There's, I don't think there's ever really the wrong lay or the wrong. I don't think there's ever the wrong amount of spice that you put on as long as that that fits what you like. But always start out if you're brand new to it. Don't put too much because you can always after it's cooked, you can always add a little bit more if you want to to to, to beef mm-hmm. it up a little bit, as we'd say. Um, but yeah, there's certain things that I'll put three different brands in. On, on, a, on a rack of ribs sometimes. Why not? You know, I mean, you like a little bit of both profiles and you're making your kind of your own rub. So there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I am pretty basic, though, a lot of times when it comes to brisket. I like a three-to-one ratio of black pepper and salt. I want three parts black pepper, one part salt. That's really probably my favorite uh, overall brisket. Mm-hmm. So when you when you're doing your seasonings, like I struggle a little bit with brisket when knowing when enough is enough. Like, how, is there a certain like formula or a certain like texture on the meat when you know like okay, I need to stop putting stuff on there? Do you have Again, any suggestions I'm, for that? Well, I, I don't over don't never over do it and never to be too afraid to add more. And I know that's really hard to like, you have to cook a few times to really feel that you've, you know what you like, but a consistent shake across the whole protein is kind of what you're always looking for. I don't have a, a, a certain 
um, you know, five shakes on a, on a brisket or something like that. I, I look, go by more of a look. It looks like that every little part across the whole piece of protein is going to have the equal amounts. You know, I'm careful when I'm shaking. If I miss some a little spot, well, you go back and dab a little bit more on there. You don't want to, I've seen people over spice meat and it's like they've completely taken out what you're trying to cook you and i have you know i've eaten competition um barbecue before it's good but i can't eat a whole brisket i'm not gonna eat a whole brisket anyway, <laughs> yeah, i was gonna I mean, say you probably don't want to eat a whole brisket but you know but, but, I've, but we've the, all tried maybe <laughs> yeah right right but you know after after uh you know a competition brisket and then you just make one that i call a eaten brisket that eaten brisket's going to be gone a lot faster because it's not pounded with so much stuff to win that one bite competition. Mm -hmm. So less a lot of times is more when it comes to your backyard cooking. Less is more, but you want to you got to practice. You got to you got to do it more than just one time and expect that this is going to be the best piece of meat ever. And once you get addicted to it, you're always trying to get that best piece of meat that you've ever cooked in your life you never are really satisfied as the cook in my opinion that's a i've cooked some really good food but i've never ah, maybe if i would have you know you're always your hardest critic you know so. oh yeah absolutely and you know everyone wants to be king of the backyard grill <laughs> yeah, that's right uh, yeah so if, you know for people that you know, maybe just bought a pellet grill or like are listening to this and are, you know, on the fence about buying one or interested. What are, what are some of your suggestions on, on best things to, to cook, to get really good at the pellet grill? Well, everybody's dream when they start this is they want to cook a brisket, but don't do it. Don't my first brisket ever was like 1988 or 89. It was dog food. I didn't even feed it to my dog because it was so bad because I went way too crazy in my first cook. And I went to start to cook chicken and my got so darn good at making good barbecued chicken that I tell this to everybody. Start if you if you're new to a pellet grill, start out with chicken because it's inexpensive and it's pretty flexible. Yeah, you don't want to put chicken breasts on there and cook them up to 200 degrees but it, you can still eat it and it didn't it's not like you had to throw it away so chicken is always my one that i suggest to people to start on a pellet grill your first smoke your first real i'm gonna do this and we're gonna do it low and slow and i can't wait i'm getting up at four in the morning i'm gonna be hanging out in the backyard is pork butt that's another really easy meat more forgivable and it's still going to be good, even if it's a little overdone or just maybe not quite probe tender yet. It's still going to be very good, and you can do multiple things with it. If it's a little on the overdone part, well, make it into some tacos or some, or some. I mean, I've actually not because it's overdone. I never overcook anything. No, no. <laughs> uh, but, but I've actually, we've made pork butt chili before. It, it pork butt macaroni and cheese you know that's a, there's, so there's i would say your your first first cook should be chicken so you can learn that 
pellet grill. I also like it when people do a you know a biscuit test. That's a good thing, so you actually know where it's a little. Because all pellet grills are going to have a little bit of hotter. All all grills are going to have mm-hmm. a hotter area than a in, a in a cooler zone, let's say. But learn the pit and then cook some chicken. Then, when you're ready, cook up some a nice boneless pork butt. Then you don't have to even worry about the bone. Just start out with a boneless pork butt. Nice. And I do like that suggestion about the biscuits. And I, and I actually just did that this year. Like I, I hadn't cooked biscuits on a, on a pellet grill before I'd done like wild turkey and burgers and steaks and sure. ribs and all that. And then I put, and, and then I just cooked cornbread biscuits and there is like kind of an art to it. And you do notice that, you know, obviously it's a convection and, and all the temperatures right. should be similar, but like, there are certain spots, certain areas, and it, and it helps you really get in tune with that pellet grill. So I like that right. answer. Yeah, thanks. We got one right. <laughs> there you go. So um, what's what's your personal favorite thing to grill? Uh, to grill, it's still ribeyes. I mean, I love cooking a good reverse seared ribeye. I mean, that's still my favorite thing to actually cook overall over everything because I just like a good ribeye. I like the seared texture with the salt and pepper and garlic on it. And it just, it's always good. It's always good. Now I, I feel sorry for the SCA comp cooks because they're, by the time they're done practicing, they don't really want to eat steak anymore. That's why I'm not a competition guy because I want to eat what I'm cooking. I want my family to, be happy when I'm cooking, but, but a, a ribeye is still my top, top thing to do still by far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's tough to beat a good ribeye. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about some searing tips you have, you know, cause like with the pellet grill, it's, it's not the easiest thing in, in the world to do to sear. Like what are, what are your suggestions or tips for doing that? Well, um, number one, I always like to reverse sear on anything. I think a reverse sear is the easiest one to control. I have done a hot and fast right out of the gate sears and then you take it off and put it on your uh, cool zone or you, if you got to like, you know, bring it up to temperature on a lower setting. But reverse searing is my favorite method. And I love to cook at a low temperature, around 200 degrees, get that internal up to about 115. Then you crank up the pellet grill. And this is one thing without that open sear plate, what a lot of people can do is a cast iron pan or a set of grill grates or just a hunk of steel that you can put in there to warm up and get that thing to about 500 to 600 degrees and sear it up about, you know, a minute, minute and a half at a turn. So about six minutes aside, you'll give it after you've pat it dry. And well, you know, I got videos on it, but um, the, the, the searing on a pellet grill without a flame broiler or something that can open up and you can get dry flame, you're going to need a cast iron or a set of grill grates. You can still do it at 500 degrees, but it just doesn't get that complete sear. Mm-hmm. So whenever you're whenever you're trying to, with, with me, and it doesn't matter. I have the pit boss with the with the 
uh, or flame broiler or whatever they call it. Yeah, it's flame broiler uh, option, but I never use it. I just crank it all the way up and get my cast iron in there, get that nice and hot, and then sear it, push her down, and like I say, about two to three minutes aside, and you got a nice crispy sear on the outside okay. and a medium rare steak. You know, you can't use a grocery store steak, but, you know, a good two-inch thick cut will, it'll, you'll, if you like medium rare, that's how you're going to cook it. There you go. Okay, well, I'm a little bit curious on the process with this cast iron. So, basically, mm -hmm. and you know, correct me if I'm wrong. So, you're, you're cooking your steak, you hit, you hit that temperature for medium rare or medium or whatever you want. So, do you, do you pull the steak off and then put the cast iron on and turn the temp up all the way? Is that how yeah. it works? Yeah. So, so when, like, we'll, we'll talk medium rare because that's really how everybody in my house wants it. So I'll bring that internal low and slow to, at, to about 200 degrees. And then I bring it up to an internal of 115 degrees. You take it out of the cooker, pat it dry, let it rest. It's going to start to you know, back off on the temperatures. It's not going to keep, there's not going to be any carryover, let's say. So it'll stop the cooking process. And then at that time, you'll put your cast iron in the, the pit or, you know, into your pit, your pellet grill, crank it up, uh, preheat that for maybe 20 minutes it takes, maybe. And then after it's, you, you have a good um, 500, let's say 500 on the cast iron pan, put just a little bit of, um, I use avocado oil, but you can use whatever you want, uh, type of a little bit of oil in there, and then put that steak in, smush her in, and she's going to sear. Again, about three minutes aside on a two-inch thick cut steak. Okay. If that, now, that makes sense. And then, Yep, yep, and I got you, it. Then you pull it out, and you should hit, if you're not quite there, you know, I always look to get it right around 128 degrees, because there will it will carry over to about 134 degrees then, and then set her off the side and let her rest a little bit. There, I don't believe in the science of resting or anything like that, but I always say it's going to rest because by the time I get it from the grill into everybody, it's still five minutes. You know, by the time everybody's <laughs> yeah. sat down to eat their their steak. So, um, but but yeah, I let it. You know, from the time I get it off the grill and then we eat it. That's it. But it's usually going to be five minutes. Okay. So, um, you know, asking about the resting, like, mm -hmm. so you say you don't, you don't believe in resting. Like, is that just on a steak or is that on anything? No, just on steaks. Yeah. Okay. On the steak thing. You, you know, had me a little people, bit worried for a second. I was like, you don't, yeah, you don't no, no, rest no. a brisket? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because, you know, I know there's a, that big debate. Oh, you have to rest it for this long or so the juices redistributes throughout the, the fibers and all that. Well, there's truth to that on a low and slow, obviously, but a steak, I mean, I put them on the plate and there's juice all over before I've cut them or I put them on a plate and cut them as soon as I took it off the pit and got it on the cutting board because I was so darn hungry. There's still juice all over mm. what I, I don't have. I don't have that good of scientific measures that I can actually prove any of that. So I don't ever really go down that road. Take it off, get it in there, eat it. It's still going to take you five minutes to sit down and get everything ready. So, because you do want it to back off a little bit, in my opinion, 
taking it right off the grill and cutting into it, well, you're, you're going to burn something, probably your mouth. Yeah, for sure. I've been victim of that more times than I'd like to admit. (laughs) You just got something, pull it off on the grill. looks like a masterpiece is like, Oh, I need to try it. Yep. Now I have a burnt mouth for three days. My own fault. Right. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Uh, So I'm, uh, I'm curious on your thought process on pellets and the types of pellets. Is there a certain formula or a certain type that you strictly like to use with certain meats or are you a believer like you can use whatever type? Um, What's your thought process with that? Well, I will say that I'm associated with, I'm an ambassador with lumberjack pellets and, but I've used all of them. I will say that I think when you're buying a pellet and you're looking for a flavor, you have to buy 100% whatever flavor that you're looking for. You can look into them. Um, a lot of times it'll say it's cherry and there's 20% cherry in there and 80% oak or something like that. Um, but there is certainly a flavor profile. If, you know, if I'm using oak pellets compared to cherry pellets, there is a difference in the food. Big, not majorly because it's still smoked, but there is a difference. You can taste cherry flavor compared to oak flavor in the smoke once you get once you've kind of developed a a palate for it, let's say. You can kind of taste the difference. I myself on beef am a big oak fan. Not only because it's the popular word, I grew up in a very white and red oak area. So when my dad was cooking, it was red or white oak on beef, pork, some applewood and maple. That's how it always was. Cause that was available for us. Uh, pellets. I say, try it, you know, on your pork in uh, chicken, apple, cherry, it's going to go really good. It's going to go really good. Um, when you're getting into the beef, well, you want a little bit more do some, um, do some, some oak or even mesquite if you really want a strong, strong smoky flavor. The um, hickory is still probably one of my favorite on ribs. I love hickory pellets on ribs. So there's multiple. Don't just buy just the comp blends. If you're cooking and you like the comp blend, there's nothing. But sometimes try a few of the, the, the heavier, dense beef meat needs a little bit more like a, an oak or a nuttier flavor wood or a nut producing wood, in my opinion, the, um, the fruit woods are going to be good for chicken and, and pork. Okay. That makes sense. So I understand the, you know, the certain types of pellets for certain meats. Do you also like to do certain types of pellets for certain spices? Do you feel like they accentuate certain, certain ingredients? I will say that brisket likes oak oak pellets. Brisket, in my opinion, that's my opinion, that I like a oak smoked brisket, no matter if it's on a pellet grill or a stick burner or even in the Weber, you know, a Weber kettle. I would I perf- always like oak wood over. I just think it fits with the black pepper and the salt. To me, my, my flavor profile to me the best. But if I'm really trying to impress my friends, 
I'm throwing cherry on that brisket because I'm going to have one heck of a pretty smoke ring because cherry always, in my opinion, gives you great, great smoke rings. Part of the whole thing with the backyard barbecue end of it is presentation too to your friends. You know, you take out a, um, you know, nice 17 pound brisket and cook it up and it, it still looks like, uh, you know, it was in the crock pot. Well, that's no fun, right? You got to have it, have it look good. Yeah, so it's all about that, that smoke ring, man. Right, right. So you get that. Well, I always call it pimp li- uh, pink lipstick. You know, you're always looking for that pink lipstick on there. So it looks like you want to kiss it. But the uh, flavors on pork and rubs, well, if you're going for that sweet, sweet rub, hickory is a great one for that. If you're going for a really, really sweet flavor, well, apple is perfect on that you know so so there's it's just your profile means a lot but yeah it's a little bit of enhancement probably in the flavors if you're going for sweet or you're going for savory you know i mean there 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 is truth to that okay just make it your own right yeah that's really the thing about backyard barbecue is really just you find out part of the whole fun about cooking is some of the failures some of the things, oh man, this just didn't turn out. I, at least now I know that I can't do this anymore. I need to do this. So I I think that's part of the whole fun in, in backyard compared to trying to figure out what the region likes more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can watch a million YouTube videos on how to do something, but you know, like you really truly learn when you get out there and you do it yourself and, and, you know, experience from, failures and successes and stuff right. like that right, right. Sure. When, when grandma when grandma says it's good you've done a good job and <laughs> there you at go. least in my family was because grandma was the pickiest eater in the whole world and if it wasn't good she'd let you know it wasn't good so mm-hmm. and there's and there's no telling her otherwise the right you're not going to change your mind grandma <laughs> Medium well is not the way you cook your steak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. So, um, you know, I've watched, I haven't watched all of your YouTube videos. You've got a pile of them out there. So it's, it's great content. I've loved everyone I've seen so far. Um, a couple of the ones that I've seen, you've had like these, you know, these like wood chunks in there. Can you elaborate on, on how you discovered that and, and why you use these wood chunks on, you know, on your grates and stuff? Um, yeah, well, if you're talking like on the grate, you know, it just makes if you put like you're going to do some chicken wings and you're using like a vortex in the center of a kettle, um, the, if you put it right in the uh, right on top of the charcoal, it's going to burn up in a hurry. If you just set it in the, on the grate, it kind of smolders a little bit longer and give you a little bit more woody flavor to it. Wood chunks, my dad and his best friend was a butcher. And they used to always do big rotisserie pig cooks, okay? And my dad loved cooking pork shoulders. They started out with charcoal, and they finished all the time with wood. And wood is always uh, gives you actual flavor. Now, if you're cooking steaks, you don't really need to add any wood. You got a charcoal flavor. I like a charcoal-flavored steak over a wood-fired steak, to be honest that's my probably my favorite preferred profile. But when it comes to actually smoking meat, you can use some lump charcoal and you'll get a smoky flavor. But when you add the w- extra wood chunks, you're actually developing another 
profile or a layer of flavor to it. Apple wood chunks, oak wood chunks, pecan wood chunks. There's all kinds of different things that you can put in there to enhance that overall profile of that meat. On charcoal, in wood go well together. They really do. If you look at all the different types of like the Weber Smoky Mountain and Weber Kettle, uh, the slow and sear kettle, all these different little charcoal cookers, when you add that wood, you're boosting your flavor profile. Okay, got you. And then, you know, I've seen, I was watching one other video where like, I don't know if you were doing like brisket or ribs or something, like a pretty big chunk and, you, and you'd put it like under the meat. Is that to make like airflow a little different or what's going on there? Um. My dad actually taught me that back in the late 80s, early 90s. He'd always would take, when he would cook beef or a butterfly pork butt, he always said, if you want to get bark, you've got to get the water off from it. You know, you got to let it just, you know, you want to keep it moist, but you want that bark and that rub to set. So the concept why I did that, and I get get to told this all the time. You saw that from Harry Sue. No, I saw it from David Rice back in the 80s. I didn't <laughs> see it from Harry Sue. But he actually took rocks and had these special rocks. It's weird. He found some really nice, perfectly smooth, but rounded rocks that he would put underneath. the. He never used wood chunks. I just use it because I can't find the rocks. <laughs> but I can find rocks, but not those. Well, anyways, it, it just domes up that protein and then the water that's evaporating and cooking out and releasing from that, the fibers and the meat, it runs off the, slowly runs out of that piece of protein compared to piling up and pooling on top of that protein. So it actually helps that bark set a little quicker. So you can maybe develop a little bit darker I like a charcoal bark. I want it to be, and what I mean by that, charcoal color. I want it black. I want it nice and dark. So to develop that type, you don't want a bunch of moisture on it. Now, once it's set, then you can add a little bit of moisture to it. So you end up having, you know, you're not just, you're keeping it moist because moisture will help that too. But the pooling will defeat your whole idea of cooking and developing a bark. You see it all the time. People are like, ah, it tasted great, but I, I didn't have much of a bark. I had a good smoke ring, but no bark. Well, that's because you had too much moisture throughout that cook on top of that protein. Okay. Uh, another question related to that. So does that also help with like tenderness on the outside pieces of the meat? Like say like, you know, the, the middle is the thickest part and then it's like thinner and thinner on the corners. Does that help with the have you noticed if it helps at I've all? I've never noticed that. I mean, that. I mean, that's a good observation. It's something I could check. But I really just dome up all my brisket all the time, uh, especially brisket. If it's if it's if, I, if it's a bone-in pork butt, well, you're not gonna. There's no sense to put a little wood chunk underneath there. But if it's yeah. butterflied, then I always do. Um, so when it comes to brisket. Yes, it's mainly just for me to develop and get that bark to stick a little quicker. That's why I dome it up like that. You know, because you, how you put it in a pit after a couple hours is how it's going to come off. Yes, it's mm -hmm. going to shrink, but it's how it's going to look. So there's par partially I'm doing that too to develop that really, that more of that teardrop, that teardrop look on that brisket. 
Gotcha. Well, if you ever need a taste tester for that theory, you know, I'm, I'm here for you anytime. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, Mike, you oh, can come over anytime. Perfect. So, um, you know, I was, I was watching another video you had on, on ribs. It was, uh, mm-hmm. wrapped versus no wrapped. Can mm-hmm. you, can you explain the differences and, and maybe which one you prefer? Yeah. I mean, as far as differences, really all you're doing when you wrap a rib is you are, in uh, quickening up the cook process, you know, you're making it a little bit faster because it's now braising. It's in the, the moisture inside is steaming and it's going to tenderize it a little bit quicker on, on a wrapped rib. A no wrapped rib, well, it's exactly what it is. You're going to run that until it's tender all the way through and it's going to get a little darker. It's going to be, uh, it's just, there's no. There's just no quickening to it. I don't know how to explain it the best, but competition rib is going to be wrapped always because they want it at a certain color. They want it to look just fire, fire engine red. You know, they want that to look beautiful. So they want to get it tender. Well, the only way they can do that and keep that color is by wrapping it. All right. If they mm-hmm. let it run all the way through to tender, it's going to get dark. It's just, I mean, with the sugar that if you're putting on a rib, it's going to darken up. We prefer no wrapped ribs because my family does like a little bit more char in that bite. They like um, they like barbecue sauce, but they like it on the side more. So it's another thing with a, like a no wrapped rib. You can put sauce on it, but the reason. A lot of times I'll do wrapped ribs is because I want to get that sauce to penetrate in that meat. So I'll dump the sauce. I know a lot of people do the brown sugar and the butter baths and all that. That's too sweet. That's too much of a candy rib. I'm not a big candy rib. I will still want to taste more savory along with that pork. So just putting a little bit of spritz on the outside to keep it moisture, the moisture content in it good while you're going through the cook cooking process a no wrap rib is what i call an eaten rib that's just you want ribs all right let's go put some ribs on four hours ish later they're done you can eat them in 15 minutes if you want to Mm -hmm. um but but the our our preferred around here is a no wrap rib more than wrapping them up in aluminum foil and and so you can get them to be tender, bite off the bone. You know, a lot of people like the, you know, the three, two, one fall off the bone ribs. I don't, I, I want a little bit of snap in that bite. I want it to be tender, but not mush, you know, not, not where it's just, because then I'm, when I, and obviously I've overcooked ribs before, but what do we do with those ribs? We aren't, we aren't cutting them into separate bones for leftovers for the next day. We're stripping it off the bone, and then it's going to go into some pulled pork sandwiches, basically, is what it ends up being, a rib sandwich. Um, you know, so, so again, back to which one I prefer. I like the, the no-wrap ribs, not knocking the wrapped ribs, but I like a little bit darker color on those ribs. So to achieve that, you're running them longer, really. Okay, gotcha. I, I like that answer, just kind of telling the – the similarities and the differences between the two and it really, uh, you know, there's no 
perfect answer for that. It's all, it's all about preference and, and what right. you want to do. So, I mean, uh, I don't think I've ever cooked ribs, like not wrapped, you know, like I just, you know, the first time I ever made ribs is like, I'll Google how to do it. And that was the first one I found. And sure. I'm like now sure. I'll try to, but you know, like when you talk about the no wrap ribs, I mean, that sounds intriguing. It sounds tasty. And, you know, I find myself like, yeah, I, I really don't want that mushy taste. So maybe I'll have to, you know, broaden my horizons a little bit, try something different and do that, do that no wrap method. Well, and one thing I should add that I forgot to say is that when you do a no wrap rib, you are actually developing a little bit crispier bark on the outside of it too. So it's got a little bit of a crispiness on that very thin little layer of your rub and your bark. You know, it, it's a little, I, the best way to say is that you got a little bit of crispy bite. You know, once you pop through that, then you have your tenderness. So it, it's it's just a little different of a texture of a rib. Um, don't be afraid if they get dark. That That's the only way you're going to avoid that is if you don't use any sugar. Then you can get them where they're not going to be that dark. I always do tell people that if they're going to do a no-wrap rib and you don't want the bottoms to almost look like it's bark. People don't think that they're burnt. They're not burnt. It's really, it's just starting to develop a good bark on the outside. But if you don't want that, just put a little black pepper and a little bit of salt on the, on the bone side. Uh, that'll, that'll prevent that. Okay. Nice. So we've talked a lot about meats and protein. Um, what about, uh, what about some non meats? What are some of your favorites to eat, to cook on the pellet grill? Number one, it's going to be asparagus. My wife is, I think, addicted to asparagus, so it's always that. We love doing corn in there. I have no video of either, I don't think. Maybe I, yeah, I've got some B-roll that I've used where I'm cooking uh, asparagus, but uh, I've never actually done a vegetable, but it's corn and asparagus. Now, my wife likes it when I throw some uh, cucumbers on there. She likes a little bit of that and um, bell peppers the, the, you, any type of vegetable that you like you can grill and it's going to give it more flavor because you're adding a little bit of char to it you want to achieve that little bit of charness to it but it really enhances the flavor in that vegetable and fruits i mean when i'm doing um grilled uh, grilled lemon or lime uh, shrimp I always put that uh, lemon or that lime on there because it, it sweetens up that juice in there too. It's, it's, it, try it and you will obviously know in a heartbeat that because those sugars really start to, um, they're not really changing in the molecular structure here, but they're, they're, they're just enhanced. There's a lot more enhancement in the flavor when you throw. So if you're going to do some lobster tails, throw those uh, lemons on there and get them so they they just, there's so much juice here. That's my best way, best way to explain it. I'm not a chef. I'm just a guy that loves to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yep, don't we look, all? Yeah, look at my waistline. You'll be able to tell. I like to eat. So. Oh, that's funny. Well, we we just got you from the chest down, so. Yeah, all right. So I'm not, well, I'm not too bad. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. So, I mean, it's just, it's it's so fun to cook. It's so fun to eat, so. Yeah, it is, you know, and that's that's where the backyard part of it comes in that I don't care if you're cooking on a little smoky Joe, you know, it's about you cooking and you developing 
your likes and what you you're satisfied you're satisfied in what you cooked and it's a lot better than going and grabbing a hungry man and throwing it in the microwave because that really is changing the molecular structure of that food mm -hmm. so if you can cook with some live fire or cook with pellets um you don't need a humongous pellet grill i have some really nice pellet grills you can have a smaller pellet grill and achieve the same thing that i'm maybe doing on a 1600 square inch pellet grill you know you can do the same thing with a with a 600 square inch so um cooking is all about what you want to do so do it and experiment and learn and just have a blast doing it that's why i always say in my videos all the time you know i'm here to amplify your backyard barbecue fun because i want you to realize that barbecue really is about fun that's what it's fun it's family and hanging out with your friends um, cooking for your buddies and watching a, a football game or whatever. It's about adding this extra part of the entertainment that is so important to the world. Food is important to the world. So barbecue is part of food. So add it and have fun. Yep. It's just a wonderful way of, of bringing people together. Right. Right. Exactly. And it, it it's, and hanging out, there's, I mean, some of my fondest memories is, is as a kid hanging out with these old timers, you know, all these old timers standing around an open pit cooking stuff. And you're just amazed that this was just cooked on wood chunks <laughs> on, a, on a tripod. Are you kidding me? You know, people would pay $100 for this, you know, so it's, 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 it's about fun and, and your achievement of having a successful cook. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, you know, I greatly appreciate your time on here. You know, I've learned quite a bit. You've answered some of my burning questions and, uh, you know, you, you've kind of motivated me to get out, bust out the pellet grill again and try a few new things. So, um, awesome. you know, what, uh, what can we expect from you, uh, from down the road in future videos? Can you give us a little tease? Yeah. I mean, I've got some, I've got a new pit that came in. It's an electrics smoker so but it uses sawdust actually so i'm looking at getting into some doing some sausage and some jerky videos because that's another part of my life that i grew up but i never really did i was always just the gopher hey go upstairs and get me this okay you know so you know I, i'm now going to adventure adv make the adventure into doing some of my own brats i mean i, I live in wisconsin what do we eat I mean, brats is part of, that's part of a food. That's its own food. Group, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know? Them and cheese curds, two definite, two it, food exactly. groups in Wisconsin, man. Exactly. <laughs> so, so that's where I'm enhancing my learning and to be better. I've done it, but I, I've never done it. You know what I mean? I've been a part of uh, making some bratwurst, but I never had to really sit there and think I was just there. So that's one thing that you'll see me doing on a, on a PS seasoning, uh, PK smokers. Uh, so I'm pretty excited to get that thing running. And again, it's really for making venison sausage and all that, but you can still do barbecue in it too. Uh, I have another pit that's coming in another pellet grill and I'm excited to get that on the channel. That'll be here pretty soon. So you're going to see a lot of pellet grill cooks for me in the future too. 
Um, I have a Santa Maria that I love. That's probably my favorite pit to actually stand on and bring back memories of charcoal and wood. Uh, so yeah, I've got, a, I, 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 I try to post a video every week. I have a job. I have a day job. My, my YouTube and my social media is my fun time at this point. So, so I try to do as much as I can. But my main, my main thing that I'm always looking at is trying to entertain you. So <laughs> some of the videos take a little bit more time to process on how I'm going to entertain you and still give you something that you learn from me. So, mm -hmm. yep. I, you know, I love the effort, you know, you got some education and some entertainment in there. You're definitely a, you're definitely a unique character and uh, I appreciate <laughs> oh, that in the videos. So. <laughs> Jeff, Thanks. thank you so much for your time and knowledge and, uh, you know, best of luck down the road. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it, buddy. And I appreciate you having me on. You just heard our segment with Jeff Rice of Dead Broke Barbecue on all things Pellet Grill. Now, he's got a great YouTube channel full of education and entertainment, just like that Mortal Kombat video that he put out. So we highly recommend checking out his YouTube channel. If you guys need anything for grilling, be it pellet grills, rubs, spices, seasonings, make sure to head to your local Shields store or check out shields.com. We've got a great selection of everything you need for your outdoor cooking needs. And with that, we want to thank you all for listening and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.